a look at college football news, analysis, and insight from around the Sunshine State. This is Florida Football Insiders, a part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Jason Powers. Welcome back to Florida Football Insiders Podcast. We are in week seven. Hard to believe we are halfway home through the college football season as we get to mid-October. We got some uh, good storylines for you this week. We're going to talk to Chris Bond from ACC Nation. He's going to talk about uh, the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to break down uh, their upcoming showdown Saturday night against Clemson. We're also going to review kind of what happened in, in Raleigh last week as well. Uh, with the shaky end of the game for Florida State, bad second half for Coach Norvell. Can they re-circle the wagons and get things back on track? Big big opportunity for an upset here against Clemson as Clemson comes to Tallahassee for a national TV night game in Tallahassee Saturday night. So we're going to talk to all things Florida State uh, with, and, and get, we'll even talk a little Miami with Chris as well, uh, Chris Bond from ACC Nation. We're also going to, obviously, we are going to talk to Coach Jim Levitt again this week, uh, our Coach in the Kicker segment. Got a lot of good topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk, uh, you know, USF. We're going to talk Florida State, Miami, um, and all that stuff. So we've got a lot of good stuff talking to Coach Levitt this week. And, again, we're going to talk some strategies, some recruiting, some backup quarterback stuff, things like that, rivalries, lots of good stuff with Coach Levitt. Quick, a quick overview. Again, Miami loses to North Carolina. Florida State loses to NC State. Florida beats Missouri, USF loses a close one to Cincinnati, FIU loses to UConn, I believe FAU was off this week, so in UCF with a big win on Wednesday night, remember they played Wednesday night following the hurricane, uh, big win over SMU, so we'll, we'll actually get into that as well with Coach Levitt, so enjoy the podcast, again, reach out uh, to us, love to hear from you, at JPO Sports is the Twitter handle. Uh, remember, our podcast is part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. So definitely find them and find our podcast on all your local podcast, a variety of podcast platforms. We're on all of them. Uh, again, the Coast College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. We talk podcasts from all over the country: Pac-12, SEC, uh, Notre Dame, uh, ACC, Florida Football Insiders, obviously. So we we cover the entire country: Big Ten, Big Twelve. Lots of stuff going on around the country in these different conferences, and you can get some great content every week from our uh, great podcast podcasters all around the country as part of that network. So thanks for finding us. Enjoy our chats this week with Chris Bond and Coach Levitt. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, welcome back to Florida Football Insiders Podcast. We are in week seven. Hard to believe we are halfway home through the college football season as we get to mid-October, we got some uh, good storylines for you this week. We're going to talk to Chris Bond from ACC Nation. He's going to talk about uh, the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to break down uh, their upcoming showdown Saturday night against Clemson. We're also going to review kind of what happened in, in Raleigh last week as well uh, with the shaky end of the game for Florida State. Bad second half for Coach Norvell. Can they re- circle the wagons and get things back on track. Big big opportunity for an upset here against Clemson as Clemson comes to Tallahassee for a national TV night game in Tallahassee Saturday night. So we're going to talk to all things Florida State 
uh, with, and, and get, we'll even talk a little Miami with Chris as well, uh, Chris Bond from ACC Nation. We're also going to, obviously, we are going to talk to Coach Jim Levitt again this week, uh, our Coach in the Kicker segment. Got a lot of good topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk, uh, you know, USF. We're going to talk Florida State, Miami, um, and all that stuff. So we've got a lot of good stuff talking to Coach Levitt this week. And, again, we're going to talk some strategies, some recruiting, some backup quarterback stuff, things like that, rivalries, lots of good stuff with Coach Levitt. A quick, a quick overview, again, Miami loses to North Carolina. Florida State loses to NC State. Florida beats Missouri. USF loses a close one to Cincinnati. FIU loses to UConn. I believe FAU was off this week. So in UCF with a big win on Wednesday night. Remember, they played Wednesday night following the hurricane. Uh, big win over SMU. So we'll, we'll actually get into that as well with Coach Levitt. So enjoy the podcast. Again, reach out uh, to us. Love to hear from you at JPO Sports is the Twitter handle. Uh, remember, our podcast is part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. So definitely find them and find our podcast on all your local podcasts, a variety of podcast platforms. We're on all of them. Uh, again, the Coast College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. We talk podcasts from all over the country, Pac-12, SEC, uh, Notre Dame, uh, ACC, Florida, it, Football Insiders, obviously. So we, we cover the entire country, Big Ten, Big 12, lots of stuff going on around the country in these different conferences. And you can get some great content every week from our uh, great podcast podcasters all around the country as part of that network. So thanks for finding us. Enjoy our chats this week with Chris Bond and Coach Levitt. We'll be back in just a minute. The Powers on Sports, Florida Football Insiders, and No Quarter Given Podcast is presented by Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue in Tampa over in the Forest Hills, Carrollwood area. For all your catering needs, group events, reach out to Beef O'Brady's. They can definitely take care of you. If you want to go watch some football on a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday night, I definitely recommend Beef O'Brady's corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue on Northdale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue, and Home Slice Pizza Company, which is also right next to the Beef O'Brady's on Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. So for all of your football watching needs or catering needs, whether it's barbecue, pizza, or Beef O'Brady's, reach out to TJ Maloof and tell him the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra $125. Put $200 in, you get an extra $250. So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know... You are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. 
All right, welcome back, Florida Football Insiders, Coach and the Kicker segment. We are in week seven, college football season, week six of the National Football League. No better person to talk all things with some ball during the week than Coach Jim Levitt. Welcome back, Coach. Well, it's good to be back, and you're right. It's uh, going fast, isn't it? It's amazing. I haven't been through many seasons like this where I'm not coaching, so it's a little different. I hear you. I hear you. The 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 the, the fall of October starting to hit a little bit cooler weather, things like that. Um, now obviously not as cool down here in the Tampa Bay area than other places, but you're starting to see some cooler venues and cool nights and all that stuff. How did you, as far as and I know, how, how did you treat playing in Florida so much of your career as an advantage for you? Your guys used to the heat, things like that. How did that play into your preparations and your uh, just your going throughout a football season? Well, you know, just like you said, you know, it's uh, usually so much warmer down in Florida. And, you know, it's uh, teams that came in here, we tried to use that to our advantage, or we hoped it would work to our advantage. Uh, you know, certainly when you get into the fourth quarter, and, of course, we ran a lot of high-tempo offense. So, you know, and the main reason a lot of people wonder why we did that is because the linemen, the offensive linemen we got, we weren't going to get those big guys that could move, but we can get the littler guys that could move. And right. So they could stay in more shape probably to, uh, to you know, extend games and get into the fourth quarter. And, you know, so, you know, it worked out for us uh, pretty well. As we get to this time of the year, we get to about midseason, your teams, you know, teams all over the country. You got nicks and bruises and a lot of those kind of things throughout your roster. Is this a time these next two, three weeks where you really scale back the contact in practice or just kind of varies team by team of how you're doing? No, you scale it back. You know, I used to, um, you know, the shoulder pads, I, I would only have them on on Tuesday and then just used, uh, you know, helmets and then those protective shoulder harnesses. Right. All, uh, you know, wear those on Wednesday and then Thursday just have helmets where I normally would be full pads on Tuesday and <clears throat> Wednesday. So I scaled it back and uh, try to get them into the weight room a little bit more okay. this time here. Uh, cut the practice time down, you know, uh, less individual time and more team. Uh, because really all I wanted was a lot of kicking and team about this time of year. Individual time, it was to its minimum. And the defense linemen, O-linemen, who always want more individual time, still got them because they still got the individual time because of kicking game. So, uh, you know, that's the way I, I did it. And it, you know, played out pretty well, I thought. There you go. Um Recruiting wise, is this an active time of the recruiting season, or is it, or, or, or at what point does recruiting really ramp up for you guys as far as making decisions being made for this class that's coming up? I, give give the audience an idea of the kind of the recruiting schedule in season. Well, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, re- recruiting never never stops, never slows down, and if you do slow it down, then you're you're not going to be very productive. So. You know, you, you, you recruit all the time. You, you, the intensity stays very, very high. You know, you're always looking for those commitments, you know, and you want to try to get people on your campus three to four times. And usually that works all the way back to when they're sophomores, you know, and, uh, you know, it's a constant dialogue. You're trying to get your defense and offensive staff on the phone with the, you know, you're, you're kind of bringing it down to, uh, you know, your top recruits and you've got them on the board, you've got them in order of kind of how you want to take them. But it's like that name, that guy is third on the board. If he commits, are you going to take him? and uh, Or do you hold off the guy's the first or second guy? And those right. are big 
questions you have to have to make. But no, you know, you're doing a lot more with team. I mean, with your whole staff and recruiting, which you do all the time anyway. Uh, you're trying to get them on the phone as much as you can, and uh, and you're out. You're start, you're, you're getting out. You're seeing games. You're seeing people. You're trying to get visible, especially if you're in the state of Florida. You, know, you definitely want to. Uh, you know, like if you're located here, you definitely want uh, to be very, very have a great presence in this area. If you're in Orlando, like Central Florida, you certainly want to have a presence there, or Miami, and so forth. You know, and uh, but it's it's intense. It always is. Lots of teams have bye weeks, either this week or last week or next week. What are, what are the what are some of the key things as a, as a head coach that you like to do that you like to do with it, whether it's a coordinator, coach positions, whatever self-scouting yourself during a bye week. How does all that work? And tell, tell us about how you handle bye weeks. Well, you know, usually you're going to self-scout through the year, you know, and your coordinators need to do that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, to, to, to look back and to see what's really hurting you and, and, and if something is glaring. Uh, in your bye week, you know, I used to go the week I'd always have Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we practiced. And we, we you know, we, we had some really good practices and, uh, if there's some glaring things on offense, defense, or kicking game, then that's what you want to pay attention to while also getting a, a jump start on the, on the next team that you're going to play. You know, you're, you're not going to have their have the recent film because that's going to be on that next week. But, uh, you know, you can you can really get a good start. Your, your GAs, your analysts can do a real good job getting a head start on a team. And, uh, you know, as far as coaching-wise, that's a big deal. Then on – Usually I had guys go out Wednesday night and uh, Thursday. We recruited Thursday and Friday. And then, uh, you know, got, you know, especially if we had to travel. Say we wanted to go into South Georgia or say we wanted to get into um, New Orleans area or uh, even once in a while up in New Jersey. You know, those guys could take off on a Wednesday night and really have really predicted days on Thursday and Friday. Now, what I did normally was had the coordinators stay and we had a light practice on Thursday with the players. We would go out and just throw the ball you know, and have just teamwork and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, have like a 45-minute practice uh, with the players. And then also, you know, usually I'd have a big scrimmage for the young guys that weren't playing. You know, I might have that on Thursday, uh, you know, do something like that. Uh, Normally during the year, like the first three or four or five weeks, I'd have those scrimmages on Friday Mm -hmm. uh, before game day. Uh, And while the, the guys that were playing were in meetings, uh, we would start that scrimmage and the, and the players would come back out and the, and the uh, coordinators would come back out and do that. But when I buy a week, you can do it on the. That's good. On, I, like, I like that. No, I like that. Getting those young guys reps. Cause I mean, especially this time of year, if your team's struggling, this is another chance to see those guys. Hey, I need to give this guy some more reps to practice or in the game or whatever. Uh, absolutely. And then, you know, sometimes when you get towards the, uh, the this part of the year you got to look at how much depth you have too because you don't want to get guys hurt for scouting right you know got to pay attention to that a little bit but you're you're going to try to do as much as you can with the players that you really they just need need reps need to play you know so uh by the way my my girls all won their games this weekend too i like it i I like it one four their team has won four in a row their big name is the bucks and isabella uh, they won uh, against Chargers. Now her team is called the Seahawks, so that's a little bit tough on me. <laughs> I got here on the, the Seahawks when I was coach when I coached for the 49ers, and we we weren't that way. So I had to at least get that little in there. That there you go. I like it. Now your girls, girls are doing well in the seven seven league, so I've been excited about that. 
You got a quarterback and you got receivers. Well, you yeah, you've got and you got a center, you got somebody snap the ball, you got a running back, you got receivers, you're right. And and uh it's like six on six, really. It's yeah. not really seven seven. So uh but it's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying that quite a bit. That's great. I have played a lot of flag football as an adult. And I love it, man. Yeah, flag football is a great sport for sure, for sure. And the girl and the girls, the elevation of the girls game is is incredible here, especially in the state of Florida the last 10 years or so. And you know, the the high school dominance down here in Tampa, we've got two teams down here locally high school wise that are national powers in in girls flag football here in the Tampa Bay area. So, it's a big thing for sure. So, congrats, coach. Got some future stars. Got some future stars. A- and I, I had to sneak that in there for my girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on the field. Florida State loses a tough one in Raleigh Saturday night, 1917. They dominate a lot of that game, probably two and a half quarters of that game. They are clearly the better team. The NC State loses their quarterback in the third quarter as well, Leary, Devin Leary. And they bring in a backup kid who's primarily a runner in Florida State, somehow gets out of, it, of Raleigh with a loss, 1917. Well, I, yeah, I watched that game, and uh, I, I mean, Florida State should have won the game. I mean, I mean yeah. tough to the punter, you know, dropping the ball, then he runs, and then he punts it after the he goes. That was the turning the point of the game. That and turned the whole never, game. You never see those kind of things, and they get the ball right there. I had even yeah. I had forgotten that rule because I'd never seen it. Yep. And, I mean, NC State has the ball right. Right there in the red 20 zone. yard line, Florida State 20. That was a, that was really tough. And, uh, but then, you know, you've got a couple calls. They got, you know, they're, they're driving and they got to make that tough call and throwing the ball. They threw kind of what it looked like a indie route or, uh, you have the two outs. You have the, I don't know if it was a trip set side and the two outside guys are coming inside. And then you've got a corner route out of, out of, right. out of number three and he underthrows it and, you know, had a couple interceptions and, that was uh, that was really disappointing. It, it, I know their kicker had struggled, but for them not to hit, not to put the you know allow the kicker to have a chance, right, uh, was was really frustrating. And you know they they really were winning the whole game, and then the quarterback that came in, twenty five year old from what Charleston Southern, or yes, uh, and he he couldn't throw, and somehow they still couldn't stop the quarterback run play, uh, which is tough. I get that. Um, but there's no way that quarterback should be able to beat you. You know, there's, there's just, it shouldn't happen. And, um, and it happened. And I know the coaches were probably really frustrated. They got good coaches, really good players. And, you know, the game, of, you know, it's just, it's, it's an, it's an incredible foot game. It's, like I always told my players, it's always, it's hard to win a game. Yes. It's hard. And you've got to do a lot of good things. And um, uh, to understand that there's not any, game that's easy uh and uh and you gotta play all the way to the end and yeah that was that was too bad yeah it was tough State, not not bad for nc state <laughs> right right no i mean it's tough loss for florida because again that's a that was a winnable game should have won the game and if you don't turn the ball over if you make nc straight drive 75 yards they're probably not getting in the end zone to beat you because like you said the kid couldn't throw the ball they have i mean the punting situation, the easy interception he threw, the next possession, and the third interception in the end zone. I'm with you. Why they don't – I have no problem trying to get some more yards on offense, but don't throw the ball in the end zone. Safe passes, make it a 35-yard field goal instead of a 45-yard field goal, and you got to trust the kicker. Even though he struggled, he did make a 47-yarder earlier in the game. 
And it, isn't it interesting that we can kind of dissect it and say what we would have done now? <laughs> <laughs> That's always what's hard, you know. When you're, you're in the game, you know, the offense coordinator, who's I'm sure very, very good and has done a good job, yeah. you saw something and uh, probably felt like the you know the quarterback can be overthrow the ball or anything. And of course, quarterback's kicking himself because he's a really good player. And I was gonna say you got a veteran he, quarterback. He's not a freshman. He's a veteran. You know that's why the game is so exciting, and you know for us to watch and yeah. we see things like this and we talk about it. And uh, but you know you've got those guys out there. They're they're doing the they're, they're trying so hard. They are. <laughs> you know it's a it's a, it's a it's a heck of a game. You know, and that's why I was in it for forty something years and. Who knows? Maybe we'll get back in a little bit. Never know. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's go down to Miami. Again, the Hurricanes lose another one, another tough game, 27-24 to Carolina. Just seem like they're out of sync. I don't know what it is. It just seems like that's a game. Again, that's a game you got to win if you're Miami at home. You, 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 Carolina's good. Give them credit. But that's just a game you got to win. Van Dyke throws for a ton of yards, but nobody cares when you when you when you when you come up short and you lose. Um, they just never seem to be able to get control of the game down at Coral Gables. No, nah, North Carolina was a better team, I thought, but I do like I do like the quarterback Van Dyke. I thought he threw for what, 493 yards and yeah. uh, three or four touchdowns. I, I I think he's a good quarterback. That's what surprises me. Uh, where he's had some off games and this and that has happened, you know, this year already. Uh, and there's no question Miami, you know, at, at home, you know, they're, they're struggling, you know, right now, you know, where they lost, uh, you know, with, to middle Tennessee, the way they got buried right. by those. And then they lose North Carolina. And, you know, I mean, Miami should be rolling through a lot of these teams uh, just because of the recruiting area they have and right. of the players, the talent they have there. So I don't know what's, what's happening, but it's, you know, his first year and, probably feeling like uh they've got to figure things out and recruit and i don't know i don't know it's um you know you you have again you you have florida state losing you have miami losing you know and right and, uh florida gators came out though on top so you know you had the guys uh win so you know um yeah it was i i, I didn't watch all that game i watched some of it uh but i just thought north carolina still had the better team and you know seemed to play better than than miami you got it. You got it. All right. Uh, you mentioned Florida. They beat Missouri 24-17, kind of a back-and-forth game. They separated a little bit, then it got a little dicey there at the end. But Florida gets out of there 24-17. Do you think Florida can challenge, I'm not saying beat Georgia, beat these other teams, but do you think Florida can upset somebody that they're not supposed to beat here at some point in the SEC? Well, I've always said that any any given day, you don't have to be athletically better than the other team to win. You know, if you if you have your team ready and they they're playing with confidence and you, your kicking game is good and you don't yeah. turn the ball over and you get some takeaways, uh, you know you can win any any game. So I'm never going to say that Florida can't beat Georgia, can't sure. beat those those type of people. Uh, which is interesting that we're even talking like that because Florida certainly should be it should be maybe at least uh, even on those type of things. But they're just you know they uh, Missouri. Is not a great team. Florida's not a great team right now. But the quarterback, you know, uh, did enough good things. You know, he's very athletic, like we talked about. He's been up and down. Uh, but I thought he played a pretty solid game. Uh, you know, they, they move him, which is good. And uh, and he ran the ball, you know, pretty well a few right. times. Right. I, I think they'll try to do whatever they can to protect their quarterback because he is big, athletic. He can run, you know, so let him run, certainly, and 
try to try to let him throw the the passes that are you know whereas he has the the uh the highest percentage of completions you right. know and uh i'm sure they talk about discuss that a lot uh after some of those earlier games uh but they won the game in a close game a hard-fought game and did enough good things to win. I thought I, I thought Florida's quarterback did enough good things to help him win that game. USF again, give 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 the Bulls credit. A good effort in Cincinnati. Nobody thought they were going to go up to Cincinnati and play very well. They played well. They lost 28-24. The game was back and forth the entire game. It wasn't like it was 28 to nothing and they came back. I mean, it was a one-score game the whole time. So give give Coach Scott and his guys credit for going up there and playing hard. Would you see anything in that game that 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 alarmed you or got your got piqued your interest? Well, you know, I, I didn't see the game. I saw some replays of it. Uh, the um, uh, it seems like the quarterback, you know, they're running him, you yeah. know, a fair amount, which is good. Uh, he throws the ball pretty well. There's a couple passes there that were really good. I thought their offense did, um, you know, probably did enough on the road to win that game. Uh, I know the fourth and one call was. Uh, people are going to question that, uh, and of course the coaches will too because it didn't work. But sure, uh, but you know I thought I thought South Florida went. You know it's hard to play at Cincinnati. That's not easy. That's a tough yes. situation. The good thing I thought was they played a game in the afternoon. Yeah, they played uh, Cincinnati under homecoming, which is always good because of distractions for Cincinnati. And I thought that uh, they did a great job. I thought that they competed well. Uh, defensively, you know, you wish you'd be a little bit stronger on defense, uh, but those guys I know are trying, and you know their their coordinator I know works very hard at it, and uh, you know it might be a little bit of a personnel thing, you know, somewhat. Right. Um, but you, you're right; they fought them, they 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 battled, and um, you know, it, totally different than the East Carolina game. In you know, I mean, it's in the Louisville game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Louisville, same thing. You know, you look at their schedule, and you know they open at BYU, and that's that's a tough one. I, you know, whether they win or lose that game, you wish they would have played, you know, better. Right. And that, and I know that, and they beat Howard, which they they should beat Howard. Uh, on the road, Louisville. On the road, Florida. Those are tough games. Yeah. And um, you know, they played Florida off their feet. East Carolina was the one that really, really shook people up. You right. know the way they lost and the way they played in that first half. That's why I went off on playing the guys that play hard. Sure. And you're going to lose. I would much rather lose with guys that are going to play, you know, you know, tote the line and play hard. And they played, they played very well. You know, I think if they continue to play at a high level, like they did against uh, Cincinnati and on the road against Florida, uh, you know, then they, they have a chance to do real well. You know, they have that's what I've learned from you. I've learned from you, Coach. You said play good football. The results will be the results, but if you play good football, people will notice that. Fans, they'll appreciate, even if you're not winning all the games, fans will appreciate if you play good football. Well, and you'll get your wins. You know, right. they'll, they'll just keep playing. You know, at the um, uh, they got Tulane coming in. Uh, there's no question they can beat Tulane. But you, you might say, well, Tulane's beat Houston. Yeah. Uh, they beat East Carolina. Beat East Carolina pretty good. It was it twenty-seven seven something yeah, like that. I think so yeah, uh, at Tulane, and then Tulane beat Kansas State. So it's a good football team. Yes, uh, but you haven't been home. You haven't been home for a while because you know you had to go to FAU to play that game, which is right. still amazing. <laughs> to me. Uh, there's they they definitely have a you know they play like this. They can beat Tulane and they can win a number of games down the stretch here. Yeah, uh, there's. No- 
and that they can't win three or four of these games coming up. Uh, you know, and I, I, they just gotta, just gotta keep playing hard and protect football and the defense got to get some takeaways. Got to do that. That's important. You got to play, you got to keep playing better defense. You know, that they changed coordinators. They had a really good coordinator uh, before and, but they, they struggled on defense. So he made a change. They have a good coordinator now. Uh, he's got to, they've got to find a way to play defense. And um, if they can do that, I think they'll win a number of these games. All right, uh, you look at, listen to the Florida Football Insiders. I'm coach, the coach and the kicker segment, Coach Jim Levitt. We're just reviewing uh, last week's games. We're going to do some previews coming up here of some games. And uh, Talk to me about, again, FIU loses at UConn 33-12. Again, we expect a struggle there down with Coach McIntyre. But, again, uh, FIU, get, talk to me about the surprise of UCF manhandling SMU on Wednesday night did not anticipate the score being that lopsided. Well, it really wasn't for a lot of the game. Okay. And if you watch the first half, SMU really was almost in control of a part of that game. And SMU is a good football team. They've got a very good quarterback. And they've got good receivers. Uh, defensively, they didn't uh, play as well as uh, I think what they're capable of. I know they had a few people out. Isaac Slade, Matsudue, was was not playing. He's one of their best players at linebacker. Okay. Uh, but Central Florida really got going in that fourth quarter, in third and fourth quarter. Um, and I was surprised that the score ended up like it did. I thought, and I did watch that game, I did think it was going to be a game that was going to come down to the end because, you know, I was at SMU last year. Yeah. Uh, but you got to give Central Florida a lot of credit. You know, they're, they're, um, they're playing some really good football. I enjoy watching their quarterback. He's he's a fighter, and uh, I love that you know seeing that in him. Uh, so you know it was. Um, uh, I mean, give Central Florida a lot of credit. They did a, did a great job in the game. Let's go to it's a rivalry game that got way out of hand in a hurry, and I was shocked. I didn't watch much of the game. I didn't get a chance to see it. Red River in Dallas, forty nine nothing Texas. What does what does Oklahoma? I mean, what are they? What is that fan base? That that coaching staff after that kind of loss? What 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 do you what are you doing as a coaching staff that Saturday night Sunday morning after that kind of loss? Yeah, I'm not sure Oklahoma has been in this position before. You know, like this, it's uh, it's really really tough. Now Brent Venables is a great coach. Yep, really good person. He loves his players, and there's not a man out there in the in nobody out there is going to work harder than Brent and nobody out there is going to take it as hard as Brent will. Uh, you know, of course, you know, Brent played for me and, yep. and I know I'm biased, but it's the truth. And, uh, you know, he's, they're lacking players. You know, the quarterback was out. He got hurt. Right. And offense, their team is, is probably at a pretty low level. And the same thing I would say, you know, with South Florida, where I, I said you've got to play the guys that are playing as hard as they can, and make sure make sure you get them on the field. Uh, and um, and South Florida came back and, and you know had had a Cincinnati beat. Oklahoma's got it's all tough. They play Kansas this week. Kansas is a team they've been they've been, and every week is going to be a is going to be a challenge. Uh, and everybody's going to feel like they can beat Oklahoma right now because they're at a vulnerable position. Uh, but Brent will – he'll stay in there strong. He'll play the guys that play hard. I texted him, you know, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, just encouraging him and sure. Sure. Uh, because 
you know, it'll be a, it's a big deal because you're going to have half, you know, you know how it's going to be. The heat, the heat from the fan base. I mean, just the, the media, all the social media stuff, you know I mean? That's something that's, that's as much, I mean, I hate to say it, that's as much as the, as much of the pressure as anything. It's just having to deal with all the social media crap that you have to deal with as a coach. Well, you don't, you don't pay attention to it. You don't turn it on. You don't even look at it. You know, if you're smart. Right. So I had to be on Twitter because of recruiting. Other than that, I, I, I never paid attention to it because what's it going to do? It's just a distraction, you know, and it's not, that's not the best thing for your team. It's all about your football team. Right. So I, I did not pay any attention to social media. And if those coaches are smart, they won't even, in fact, I used to have my personal assistant. I told her, I said, every email I get, if it's negative, throw it away. <laughs> all I want, and I'm going to respond to every email that's positive. And that's what I did. Whenever I got an email, it was always positive. So I felt good. <laughs> and I responded to all those. The negative ones, I told her, I said, I don't want to see him. Just, throw, just get rid of them. I said, that's not going to help me in my mindset. So uh, you got to you gotta stay away from the social media, especially uh, for Oklahoma right now. How do some – and I'm just, this, is the, I'm, this is the more of a recruiting question probably. How do some of these big programs, the Florida States, the Oklahomas, the, the Oregons, the, you pick the big school – how do they only have one good quarterback? How do some of these places only have one good quarterback? Well, that's a good question. You know, I mean, everybody wants to play right now. It's a vulnerable position. You got, you know, going to play one guy. Uh, when I was at South Florida, I had, uh, you know, I had Matt Grothy. And Matt was playing so well, it was hard to get the next guy in there. But I got B.J. Daniels in there. And uh, he was our backup. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of had it separated enough years. that I, But I could right. not get a third one. It was it was impossible. So I got a uh, like a journeyman or somebody that was just tough and competitor to be that number three guy. Yeah, because you have to you know go to him. But it is hard. Uh, normally, you could get a second guy that's pretty decent. Uh, I know SMU Mordecai's their starter, and they've got a ver- they got a tremendous number two quarterback, and he he can challenge Mordecai. He came in at the end of the game in that Central Florida game, uh, and um, uh, Preston Stone. Is okay. his name outstanding, but you can usually fight to get two. Yeah, you know, especially if you got some separation on years. Especially uh, at a place it, like Oklahoma, how does Oklahoma not have a second guy that can come in and be? And I know the transfer portal, and I get it, but how do you? I mean, that just that just blows my mind that you don't have a second guy that can at least function somewhat. I'll promise you, they they worked at it, and uh, um, they probably maybe felt like they did. Uh, but Man. you're right. You're right. It's the most important position on your team. You better have a, a great one. You hope to be a great one, a great leader who has great courage that can throw the ball and run, you know, yeah. my opinion. But, I, again, like it depends on your style of offense. Mike Leach wouldn't. Uh, I'm sure Mike would love to have a quarterback could run also, but, you know, he's got to have a guy who could throw, and, and he has done such a great job there at Mississippi State. But, um, you know, but I always like the quarterback that, could, that was mobile or could at least reset his feet and, you know, get out of jams. How do you get the confidence back of your team when you get beat like that by a rival 49? such a bad beating against a rival. How do you get your confidence of your team back that next week? Well, uh, you got to be honest with them. You got to close the ranks and you got to hope you have great leadership. You know, those things have got to happen. And uh, when you get beat like that by Texas is, is good. It's tough now. And, and, and there's not a lot of answers. I don't know any other way you do it. You get with your team and you just, you, and you get with your leaders. 
uh, and you, you hopefully you have leaders at each position group, you know, your offensive line, uh, your tight ends, your receivers, running backs, hopefully your quarterback's a great leader. And I think what will happen with them is I think Gabriel will come back and play. Okay. And I think that'll be a big deal. Cause I, I heard he was thrown on the sideline, but they wouldn't let him play. They'll get him back and that will change a lot of dynamics of it all, but you've got to get your defense back playing and Brent, right. defense, anybody. Uh, you, you got to get that going and, and, uh, you know, here you, you do get in a position right now where if it's even or close, play the younger guy, uh, develop him, uh, especially with the transfer portal. You know, you don't want you don't want to lose some of those guys that, you know, are going to be great players and start investing all your time into them uh, and bring them along. How 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 much of an in, in Venables is a defensive guy. So, you know, this how hard is it going to be for him? to? Uh, how does a guy like him identify? or realize, hey, the schematically, we need to do things differently when he's so used to having success, so used to being so good doing what he's doing. Who, who on that, does somebody on that staff tell him, hey, coach, we can't play this kind of defense very well? Or how does that get across to a guy who's a defensive guy? Well, I think what he'll do is he'll look at his scheme. He'll look at the things that the guys that he has right now can do within his scheme. Okay. He's not going to change. He's been doing this too long. Uh, you know, he's had too much success at Clemson and certainly at Oklahoma before. Yeah. And certainly some of the same things we did at Kansas State. Uh, but he'll limit some of the things they're doing because he'll probably play some younger guys that might not have full knowledge of the whole defensive system. Okay. But he'll want to bring them along at this point. He'll probably say, Hey, I'm gonna we're gonna limit what we do, stay within the scheme, limit what we do and uh and, and let the guys play hard. So they're not thinking at all, all the time. And, and, but he, I don't think he'll change the scheme or, or things like that because, you know, it's been good for him and, you know, there's no reason to, you know, now there's pressure on the defense coordinator. There's no doubt. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure there and I know him and he's a good man and he, and he's a good coach, but it's just the way it is. Uh, Brent's going to feel, you're going to feel, they're going to feel a lot of pressure on that because they've got to get their defense going and they got to do something there. Last game I want to talk about, get you out of here. A&M and Alabama, Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Give, give A&M credit. They had one play from the two-yard line to win the game. Nobody in America thought Texas A&M would have one, one play from the two-yard line to win the game with a backup quarterback. Just your thoughts about that uh, A&M and Alabama. Well, it, nothing surprises me with A&M because they have talent. You know, they've got a lot of talent. And obviously, if, you know, if they would have played like that against Appalachian State, they would have won. Right. Uh, would have played like that and and you know they they can they've got talent yeah uh young but they've got talent and uh there's no reason they can't play like that all the time and you know those guys are gonna you never worried about getting your team up to play like alabama or teams like that you know it's because you know if if you've got competitive guys man they they love those situations where nobody thinks you can do something and you never underestimate what your players can do uh, you never want to do that. Um, and, you know, I through my career, I, I remember I did that one time and team rallied up and, and beat a team that there's no way we were supposed to be <laughs> Memphis in a very cold day on the road. Yeah. Earl, uh, J.R. Reed had an incredible game. I'll never forget it. And before the game, we were picked to lose by like 27. And it was cold and windy. And I had all these Florida guys up there in Memphis. And, and I, in my mind, I sat there and thought, how are we going to do this? And I, uh, and, and I questioned it a little bit. It was the only time I ever did with a team, and and J.R. Reed single-handedly probably won that game and had an incredible game, you know, and uh, 
uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it told me, don't underestimate what your players can do. Don't ever do that. You know, don't do that on the game field. Don't do that in life either. Last question. I'll get you out of here. I know you were in the building yesterday. What would Coach Levitt have done when Jerome Boger throws the game-deciding roughing the passer penalty that everybody in America says, what? Yeah, I, I was sitting in, a, in the south end zone and saw it. I was uh, – I didn't know what the flag was. I couldn't imagine uh, it was roughing the passer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was a very good call. I thought it was a poor call. Uh, certainly uh, the the Bucks, and uh, I, I enjoyed hearing the head football coach of uh, Tampa Bay, and I thought he, he did real well in his answer because he <laughs> talked about the different quarterbacks and how they're trying right. to protect taxes. What I would have said if I was him too. Right. Uh, Thought it was a poor call, and certainly if all those coaches on the Bucks were on the Falcons, they feel the same way. I'm sure. Uh, it, it, I don't know how you do anything different than what he did. You know, they might have said that he might have thrown it the last, you know, kind of a little oomph at the end, oh but I, God, I didn't really see that. I saw the replays. I, I, I just thought it was a poor call, and you know, I'm a Bucks fan, and but I just thought that was a poor call, and uh, you know, what would have happened? Well, we'll we don't know. I mean, the Bucks very well could have picked off a ball the next play sure, and won the game sure. that way, and doesn't mean Atlanta would have won. I just uh, – it's just the call was uh, – you know, I just thought it was – I know they're trying to protect the quarterbacks. You know, I get that. Uh, All right. And it's so so when, you, when, you would, when you would send in calls, Coach, to the league office the next week, would you ever get a good response back? Would they, would they be good about responding back when you would send in plays to the – to the conference, you know, the officiating department at the various conferences you were with, would you ever get good responses oh, I, back? I, yeah, I always, you know, for a number of years, I spent a lot of time on that on Sundays and sent in the, you know, the different plays. And then after a while, I just stopped. <laughs> any good. All it was doing was, was wasting time. And I was, and I was time away from preparing for the next team. So I didn't had my coordinator do something with it, but I, yeah. Unless it was like this call, you know, I'd probably do something, at least write in, explain. And this is a good point. Okay, I'm a coach that's coaching a defensive line. Right. How do you want me to coach this differently? Yeah. What do you want me to do different? Just tell me, explain to me how to do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'll coach it differently. But that's that's the problem. I don't see any way you could coach him any differently on what he did. So, yeah. So you, you're you're left with, oh well, you know, and I, I mean I really don't, you know, he, if he's in the grasp and he tries to keep him up, then Tom Brady is so good, you know, he doesn't need much to complete the pass. I, I don't know what you do, so right. I'm at a loss on that one. You a baseball fan? Well, sure, I played baseball. Played baseball in Missouri. Played a lot of it. Who's your Who's your team in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I don't really have one as far as that goes. You know, I, I, I can't tell you that. Uh, so, you know, the Rays got knocked out. I couldn't believe they went 15 innings and, can't uh, score. can't score and a walk off home run. And, uh, that was too bad because, you know, they're up at Cle- Cleveland, right? And they, um, you know, they at least could have gone to a third game. I was hoping, but, uh, you know, I always, I always enjoyed the Rays, you know, certainly, yeah. uh, when I was here in South Florida, but, uh, other than that, it's usually guys that I played with back in the day. If they were in the major leagues or they yeah. were here, or there I 
always kind of followed them. And but that was a while back, and none of those guys are playing anymore. So uh, don't really have a. I, you know, I I loved San Francisco when I was out there. Yeah, I enjoyed those guys. Went to a number of those games. Uh, certainly Colorado, the Rockies went to went to those games when I was in uh, in Boulder. There you go. Uh, but here, you know, I watched the Rays. I, I watched some of those innings because it was you know to fifteen innings. So I um was Pain- kind of changed. it was painful, painful. It was, it was. Coach, great job. Have a great week. How many, okay. how, many flag, how many flag football games we got this coming up Saturday? Get the girls got. Oh, we're, we're in again. the playoffs now. We're okay. in the playoffs. Both girls made the playoffs, I think. So I'm, and uh, they had to play on Sunday morning. So that was kind of crazy because Sophia played on Sunday morning at nine. Uh, uh, nine nine forty five. We got out of there at ten thirty. We're flying to get to the Bucks game. <laughs> I took, uh, I took uh, Isabella, Sophia, and then a friend. Uh, her name is Tayton, and uh, her, in fact, her mom, his name is Dawn, is a big South Florida fan. Uh, and um, so we hurried up, got to the stadium, got there. It, 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 I just went ahead. I have a parking pass, but I went ahead and just paid for parking to get close to the stadium because I didn't want those girls have to walk too far. And <laughs> we got in her seats, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, got some hot dogs, hamburgers, and had a blast. We better have a championship. I want to hear about a championship banner being posted in the at the uh, at the condominium in the, in the in the near future. I want to see a That's banner right. in the background. <laughs> have, a great, have a great week, Coach. We'll talk to you next week. All right, see you, Jason. College football and NFL football fans, we know that the season is cranked back up. Are you looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices? Take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA and NFL football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of the football season live and in person. Purchase your your tickets directly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. We've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's Gridiron22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more, and that code isn't just a one-time use. Use it this week. Use it next week. Use it Thanksgiving week. Use our code as many times as you want this football season for the best selection of college football and NFL seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections, pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code, Gridiron22. Think smarter. Ticket smarter. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and Marketing Solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco 
813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the, the intersection of Line Ball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back to Florida Football Insiders. We are going to now head up and talk about the Florida State Seminoles coming off their second straight loss of the year up in Raleigh against NC State over the weekend. Got a big one coming up uh, on Saturday night in Tallahassee versus Clemson, and no better person to talk some Florida State football with than Chris Bond. Chris covers the ACC and such, and uh, welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Thanks for having me back, Jason. All right, let's talk about Florida State's um, – Two in a row now, gone down. You know, they, they had the game kind of in hand. I won't say in hand, but they were comfortably ahead. We're dominating the game for, for, for a good bit of that first half. They get the break in the second half when Devin Leary goes out injured and still not able to muster whole, a whole lot on offense. And they fall in Raleigh 19-17. Your thoughts? Uh, the best first half of Florida State football this year was followed by the worst, uh, I thought. Uh, after Leary went down, uh, NC State got several first downs uh, without throwing a pass. Um, I thought the defense, uh, the, the adjustments the defense didn't make of uh, putting nine in the box, uh, make them beat you in some one-on-ones. I thought that was uh, just terrible in-game decision. Uh, probably the worst I, I've seen them make since, they, since this uh, uh, coaching staff started there. No, I mean they—they, they, you know, the the kid, the the backup who came in was a transfer from Charleston Southern. Was a really short guy. He was clearly a runner. He was not much of a passer. They didn't obviously have any confidence in him to throw the ball much at all. They didn't. Uh, they really ramped up their running game. The offensive line ramped up, and a big special teams error. I think it was mid mid third quarter, late third quarter. The punter on a punt crosses the line of scrimmage and then punts the ball which gives NC State tremendous field position at about the 20-yard line. Florida State had a loss of down foul. So NC State's going to take over possession uh, with, a, with a penalty. Just an just a inexcusable mistake that you can't make as the punter. Yeah, especially when you got 15 yards of green in front of you in a first down. Right. Uh, you figure a guy who is former Australian rules football wouldn't be afraid to make a run. <laughs> right. Um, that, that, that was just mind-boggling. I've never seen that penalty before. I had to even had to look that up, um, but it's actually happened twice. I saw it against Memphis and South Carolina earlier this year. Punter ran right past the line and punted. Uh, I've never seen it before this year, though. Inexplicable. Uh, uh, there's a whole series of areas we can cover. 
why they lost the game Saturday night. Um, on top of that, that was a game that people thought that they were going to lose coming into the season, but they came in as a superior team, and they just blew it. They just blew it. They did. And they, again, offensively, again, even down 19-17 in the last drive of the game, they're at about the 20-yard, 20-25-yard line of NC State. You're in field goal range, and, I, and granted, I understand at Florida State fans, the kicking situation's not been great this year with Fitzgerald, but he had made a field, he'd made a longer field goal earlier in the game. You're at the 25-yard line with let, less than a minute to go in the game. I don't have a problem taking, you know, trying to get some more yards, but I don't know about throwing the ball in the end zone unless you know it's a sure, you know, it was just a, it was a poor throw. I don't, it looked like the receiver ran a post and Travis is throwing a corner route, throws an easy interception in NC State, so NC State ices the game there. What did you think of the last uh, last couple plays for Florida State? Uh, I don't mind going for the touchdown. Uh, in fact, my problem is, is when you get in the red zone for Florida State, uh, you need to go to your six, seven receiver, throw it high to his, his shoulder, uh, where nobody else can get it. Take three shots like that, your odds are you're going to get it. Uh, I love Michael Pittman, but he is uh, at five seven, yeah. not the guy I would pick to throw to in that situation. Uh, he's fast, but he's not tall. Um, yeah, I. Uh, he had a kicker where you get, he may have gotten his confidence back. I mean, he looked like Jason Powers when he kicked it from 50-some <laughs> yards at, at the end of the half. You know? So, uh, he, it, yeah, last couple of weeks I've been wondering if you had any eligibility left because, we, man, we needed you. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, again, again tough loss for, for Norvell. Where do you see these guys going from here? I mean, obviously, not that you expect them to, to win the conference, but – the two big, the you know, the first two kind of big ACC games that they've had, uh, they've fallen short. You know, again, played mm-hmm. well at NC State for for parts of the game. Um, where do you see, where do you see the confidence level with obviously with with Clemson and the top five ranked team coming to town Saturday night? Well, I see a team that's still learning how to finish. Uh, they're definitely improved. Start out four and zero, and it's tough to take a couple back to back losses in the last minutes. And now you got the number five team in the country on your doorstep, uh, and you're staring down the barrel of four and three now. Now the back end of the schedule after that, you got Georgia Tech, Miami. All those teams are 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 have, are still trying to find themselves. Um, but if you can get Jordan Travis the first half from NC State in this game, um, you got a fighting chance because Clemson has not faced a quarterback as dynamic as him. Uh, on their schedule as uh, amazing as that front seven is for Clemson. And they are every bit as good or better than one NC state has. They are, they are monsters. Um, but you'd be, be glad you got Robert Scott back at the left tackle yeah. just in time. Um, boy, they really could use Fabian Lovett back at, at defensive tackle. Uh, and I'm hearing it's promising. He could be back in a week or two. Um, because you're going to need to get some kind of pressure up the middle on DJ. Because DJ has exceeded my expectations. I, you remember me back in the preview? I thought DJ would probably be gone right. by this point. Right. He, he has found his rhythm. He is. Uh, he's where he needs to be, and you've got to get pressure on him. Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, Leary's a great quarterback, but he's not nearly as big as DJ. And you need going to need some big, strong fellows to get to him. Uh, that's really the only way they're going to slow down that Clemson defense. Um, 
And Clemson doesn't have a juggernaut offense. They're just methodical. These, I mean, DJ's playing well. I mean, they're not going to, they're not, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins and, and all the different, you know, all these different guys that have come out of there in the last years at, at wide receiver. But DJ's playing better. The, the running game is solid. And like you said, that defense is real. That is a real defense at Clemson uh, post Brett Venables, who's now struggling mightily at Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, but uh, that defense is real for sure. And that front, like you said, the front seven especially. So this, to me, this will be a major test for that offensive line at Florida State. For sure. Uh, and this is where you just want to hit the easy button with Jordan Travis and say, count one, two, three, go. Yep. Just go. Because uh, their best asset is going to be him taking off and finding as much yards that way as they can. And again, you got to find a way in the running game to keep to keep the ball moving. I mean, again, they're pro- you're probably not going to throw for 300 yards against Clemson. Even though I will say the back end is the vulnerable part vulnerable part of that defense as far as throwing the ball. You can make a little hey throwing the ball, but you got to have the time to do it, uh, and you got to make the, the good decisions. Travis has shown he can do it. They've got some capable receivers. It's just a matter of again, and again, here's the other part of this equation the pressurized moment of this game. It's going to be a national TV game. Again, can, can Florida state get over the hump? Not, we don't want no more moral victories. We've had enough moral victories. You got to get over the hump and beat that big giant team. Uh, one more, one time for Norvell. Exactly. Uh, this would wipe away a lot of the bad taste the last couple weeks. If they can pull this one out. Having it at home, got the home crowd behind you. You got to get ahead early, keep them in the game. Um, Clemson, you're right, doesn't have the superstars that it had in the past, but they can afford to be methodical because they still have ballers. They still got players out there. All those guys can play. So you got to get them behind and force them, put the pressure on Clemson to find a way out of that 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 hornet's nest. So got to get ahead early and stay on them. Give me a prediction Saturday night, Tallahassee. Oh, um, I'm going to believe we're going to get the Jordan Travis of the first half and the first four games of this year. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Florida State 31-30. Okay, I like it. I like it. Again, looking at the schedule, again, if you're, if you're again, I know obviously Mike Norvell, you want to win every game. I get it. But even if you lose Saturday night to Clemson, you're four and three. I think if you can get out of get, I mean, if eight and four, you know, is very doable. I mean, I think that that's your, you know, if you give Mike Norvell a truth serum, eight and four is a hell of a year. That gets people off your back. That that shows everybody we're going in the right direction. Again, if you can, uh, hell, even nine and three is possibility. I mean, after this Clemson game, all the all the rest of the games are winnable. That Miami game will be a very good game, and Miami's. You know, they're struggling, but that, that'll be a very competitive game. And then you have Florida at the end. This is, again, mm-hmm. again, if you're Mike Norvell in the Florida State program, if you eight and four, nine and three is, is, is still a hell of a year. It absolutely is. It still creates got a lot of goodwill in the recruiting. They've already had some big scores on the recruiting trail already. Um, you want to start out strong that way because you're, a lot of your recruits are making their decisions already. Um, they're, it's not, they're, they're at the point now where Bobby Bowden said, where you lose by a little, then you start winning by a little. They're right at that tipping point right there. Uh, they get past this game and they, if they win this game, watch out, watch out. Cause they're going to be favored in all the games rest going on the, the rest of the way. Correct. Uh, and even if they lose it eight and four, even nine and three is still attainable, but you want a good showing in front of the home crowd. 
fight to the end, and I think they'll pull it out um, with a game-winning kick from Fitzgerald. Well, they should could have had a win. They could have had the, the the winning kick on his foot Saturday night in Raleigh, but they chose to throw to the end zone. Um, great work, Chris. Tell everybody where they can find John Line and and tell us where we can uh, all the all the good ACC stuff that you that you're doing. Come to us at accnation.net. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at ACC Midnight Inc. Uh, or my colleagues uh, at, a- at ACC Nation. Uh, come with all the best for all 15 teams through the ACC, and we'll get you covered. You got any basketball updates out of Tallahassee? Um, not yet. Not, not, that, not this time. I'm, I'm so focused on, on the pigskin right now. Uh, come back to me in a couple weeks, Jason. I'll give you some good stuff. What do you think, real quick, and I'll get you out of here, what do you think of the struggles at Miami with Cristobal? Um, Cristobal is going to bring talent into the program, but you're already seeing the problems that people at Oregon complained about with on-field decisions. Um, I, I, some of the decisions they're making are mind-boggling. Uh, I, I don't uh, – punting on a 4-1 and one from your opponent's 29, I, I don't – I don't get it. <laughs> Either go for it or kick the field goal or something, but right. uh, I, I, I don't know. It's I'm still trying to figure out what his game plan is. Uh, I don't – like I said, people at Oregon still never figured it out. So um, we'll see. He, he's going to put town on the field, but how he's going to deal long-term with putting him over the top, boy, that remains to be seen. Yeah, that, that's always been the criticism of Mario is, is his game management coach – actual coaching he's a hell of a recruiter we know he knows how to recruit but the actual coaching and running the program because there are some throw i mean there van dyke's a talented kid but he makes some mm-hmm. throws that you just say what what is he being coached to do what, what are we looking at i mean just some doesn't have a, I, I don't throws know he wasn't making it. last year throws he wasn't making last year throws it he's like this kid's on the right track and now you're seeing him making throws into double and triple coverage like he's being told to do that and it's like i don't get it i mean right. um it's a mystery man well we're gonna we'll try to figure that out for you over here at acc nation man keep up the great work chris thanks for the insight and let's go Noel. saturday night in tallahassee i think that's an espn game i believe so i think that might be herb street and fowler might be in the building we're gonna get the a crew you got it you got it so. have a great weekend chris appreciate the time oh jason thank you You got it. Thanks for listening to the Florida Football Insiders Podcast as part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you've not already done so. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at jposports. Love to hear your comments and feedback about our episodes and any program suggestions moving forward. Check out our video interviews as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. And we'll see you next week on the Florida Football Insiders Podcast.